Oeherema Yorana. You're listening to Tereva Neyao, the only podcast currently documenting the voices and lives of Tahitian American families and couples, the long distance, the love stories, our lives between Tahiti and the United States of America. We present to you Tereva Neyao. Hey, Yorana. Welcome back to Tereva Neyao. I have a special episode in between some of our interviews. We'll take a bit of a break, a bit of a detour. And let's talk about visas. If y'all remember, in episode one, I talked about my personal story with Vedea, my wife from French Polynesia. Just as a recap, I'm born and raised in the United States. Um, no Polynesian ancestry. You know, I had been to Tahiti a few times before meeting her, but... Meeting her, falling in love, and figuring out how we would make a life together was it was it was difficult. Let's just put it that way. Um, difficult because I knew what I wanted, which is just to be with her. But when it came to visas, I had no idea where to start. And luckily for me, I had a few folks, a few um, guardian angels, if you will, that helped me out, even as strangers. So fast forward to episode two, Vaidea tells her story. And then fast forward through a couple interviews, we get to episode six. We talked about Maohi name traditions. So here we are in episode 12. I'm going to break down visas the best way I can. Let's talk about visas. They can be a pain. They can be a headache. But they can also be a key. A key to live between or move to and from our different Fenuas, our different countries. Between the United States of America and Polynesie Francaise or French Polynesia, There's a bit of a complicated relationship when it comes to immigration and visas. In this episode, we're going to dissect the visa process that many Tahitian American couples have to go through. In addition, I'll walk us through some historical context that I've gathered about Tahitians or people from French Polynesia and the immigration patterns to the United States. Please be aware, and I have to say this as a precaution to preface this episode, by saying I'm speaking out of experience here, okay? I've done my own research. Um, Please do not use this episode as a single guideline for yourself. This is not legal advice, nor can I provide or give legal advice to anyone. It's really just how to do. Let's put it that way. Regarding visas, it can be a really serious matter, right? It can be the difference between starting a new life in a new country with your partner, your loved ones, etc., or not having the ability to do so at all. I truly advise everyone, though, to read, 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 read up on immigration laws, policies, and the rigorous paperwork that comes along with this serious process. Now, that's not to scare y'all, right? I don't want to push anyone away. I'm just putting it out there that this is something that we have to take serious, right? Um, I know I sure did, right? Everybody's different. But the golden rule for all of this is, for me, I'd say work with an attorney. They are the immigration attorney experts. They're trained to do this. They're not all sharks. Um, You know, you don't want to find yourself in a situation you can't get out of or will feel truly stuck if something unexpected happens. And we know life, life is always unexpected. So in many of our episodes, we do talk about visas and how difficult things can be when we don't know where to turn to or what to do. Let's go through a couple points, okay? Point one. 
Not all situations are the same. Every single person must examine all the key factors when it comes to this journey. Where are you from? Where were you born? Where's your partner from? Where were they born? What nationalities or passports do you guys have? Do your parents have? These are important questions to start with or to better understand your situation. The other kind of random, I'd say, um, unique situation about French Polynesia that is unlike other countries is the whole France factor, right? So folks born in French Polynesia carry a French passport. There is no French Polynesian passport or citizenship. There's just French citizenship being part of the European Union. So although French Polynesia is its own recognized country, there's no separation between nationality and passport with France and French Polynesia. So when we talk about that, that's another factor to add into here. And that gets very confusing for folks very quickly. The other weird thing with that is that you can't just follow immigration laws for France. I know, it contradicts itself. Let's rewind that real quick. France and French Polynesia don't have different passports or nationalities from each other, but there are different laws when it comes to the policies for bringing someone over from France versus French Polynesia, and we'll get into that. That's point two, actually. Don't follow advice from other international couples. Uh, for example, your friend that married a girl from South Korea or Japan, or a guy, right? Um, yes, I think it's wise to take advice from them, but don't follow it to a T. French Polynesia has one huge difference in contrast to the other countries, which is that there's no U.S. embassy in the country. Yes, you heard that right. There is a U.S. counselor in Punaovia. Uh, this office helps people coming by sea to the U.S., into the ports of Papete or other docking areas. And this office helps us with our U.S. passports, but they will not help you with the visa process. Please rewind that and listen again. It's true. This office, okay, so there's an official embassy for French Polynesia, but it's not located anywhere in French Polynesia. Not in Tahiti, not in Moorea, not in Reyetea, or anywhere close. It's actually in the city of Suva on the island of Fiji. To get to Fiji from French Polynesia, you'd have to take a flight from Los Angeles, New Zealand, or Hawaii. And even then, when you do land in Fiji, it's at Nadi, which is an eight-hour drive or a two-hour flight to the city of Suva. So the journey to your embassy, to our embassy, right? When I say our, I mean us, Americans, U.S., it's long. Um, and this is because, you know, namely, like, U.S. has embassies all over, right? There's, there's, there's a couple in Mexico. There's some in the Philippines. There's all those different countries. But for French Polynesia, because there's so many little islands in the Pacific, they didn't set up embassies in each island, right? So this embassy in Suva, Fiji, is the embassy for Fiji itself, Kiripati, Nauru, Tonga, Tuvalu, and along that, all that encompasses French Polynesia. So I'm going to pause there and let y'all think about that. To get to our embassy, we have to get on another plane <laughs> and land in another island, okay? I know, it sounds like a lot. Now, we're going to go through a couple different types of visas that we know do work for bringing someone over from French Polynesia or um, for couples to make this work in general, right? The first one is the obvious one. It's the K-1, which is the fiancé visa. 
It's just like you see on that wild TLC show, 90 Day Fiance. Um, it's, you know, the whole, everything you see in there is actually pretty accurate um, in terms of the situation. Like, yeah, you know, you fall in love very quickly. You don't want to split up. You go home to the U.S., you file the K-1, and there's this whole process where it has to get sent um, to a field office. They accept it or deny it, and then you get a letter that says you can bring the person over. Once the person comes from Tahiti or French Polynesia, you have to marry them within 90 days, just like the TV show. However, they don't mention in the TV show because, well, there's no Tahitian people or French Polynesia um, spouses on there, but... Our situation would involve us going to the U.S. Embassy in Suva, Fiji, which is super difficult to try to wing, right? So that brings me to the next one, which, again, I'm not suggesting anyone copy or follow us here. I'm just telling y'all what I had to do, which is the I-485 visa, which is the change of status visa. What, it, what happens is um, basically the person comes from French Polynesia or Tahiti on an ESTA, which is basically the tourist visa and you're allowed to be in the United States for 90 days and at some point in the trip you know you just can't bear to be apart so you get married here right um, there's there's no restriction about getting married about all those things as long as they have their birth certificate make sure you have all those things first so that you know all this can actually happen so the petitioner aka the person from the United States files for the 485 for a foreign spouse. That comes with a pretty penny. Not going to quote y'all. Uh, I'm not going to give y'all a quote on the prices because I know that they've changed, right? So even from 2017, when we did this, it was even a different price, I believe, than today. And um, there is a waiting period. That person would need to wait to get word from one of the field offices uscis and they use snail mail they do kind of this online system but it's not as reliable so they send you letters and during that time the person can't go home uh, meaning the person from tahiti tahiti french polynesia etc they can't go back home at all can't get on a plane can't even take a trip to another country like canada mexico nothing like that gotta stay put gotta stay in the united states now the petitioner also has to make a certain amount of money on their salary or they have to find a co-signer. And that's basically someone saying that um, they would not let the petitioner and the foreign spouse get into any kind of financial debt or rely on like um, welfare or the system to take care of them if they're agreeing to bring them here. So that's another kind of wild card that got thrown at folks, especially me. Um, and, and I was blessed to be able to kind of make it right under the threshold right um yeah it can be financially difficult you have to rush the marriage um like i was saying you should hire an attorney that's kind of the best way to go about it in terms of your safety net right now mind you another difficult part of this is the person from tahiti or french polynesia while they're here they cannot work or they cannot go to school until status is granted with a permit and a green card when I talk about school, um, you know, obviously this um, spouse or foreign spouse is an adult. And if they wanted to go back to school, um, if they came in through the I-485, 
they could go to school as an international student, but then you're just stuck with all the extra fees and tuition that don't even make sense because this person's not an international student. And if they came as a student, they should have come through the student visa way, which is the B visa. But we'll talk about that a little later. So once all the paperwork sent in for the 485, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. When status is, if it is initially granted, um, it's followed by a temporary green card, which is good news because then um, your foreign spouse, you know, person from Tahiti, French Polynesia, can go out and get some work, right? It helps. Um, and then they call you back for an interview, and it's an English language interview. So you want to make sure that your um, spouse, if they only speak Tahitian and French, you want to make sure that their English is up to par because the field officer is going to want to ask some questions on their own, and they expect them to answer back, right? We had a field officer that wasn't, um, he wasn't mean, but he was very serious and he expected Vedea to answer him and not look at me for answers, right? So um, after the interview is set up more towards like the end of the year from the time that you did file, you do go in person to the USCIS processing center. I don't know how it works anymore because we did this pre-COVID, so it could have changed, but I haven't heard any changes. And, you know, if all goes well, the spouse is granted another green card, but it has an expiration date. So 485, again, going to pause there and recap. This is the change of status visa. You probably don't want to go around saying that this is your path. If you're doing this, you probably want to keep it to the best that you can. Like it is true, the situation y'all couldn't split up and you want to make it work so you filed for this you know that's really what this is for it's not really to be taken advantage of right but this this visa is followed by the i-751 or the change of temporary status so again you have to pay another fee better to work with your previous attorney to review or look over the paperwork because they ask you again for a lot they want to see that the foreign spouse has made attempts to acclimate to the u.s they want to see that they've been working they want to see that they've been going to school. They want to see that y'all are trying to either start a family or at least stay together. And, you know, it's it's like plus if if this person's starting a business or something like that. It just it it really adds to the content of what you're trying to give them, which is that, hey, you know, this person is trying to live here and, and be part of this country, not just be here to be here or whatever. And I know it sounds invasive. This is not my policy. This is just Unfortunately, there's been so many scams and fake couples that the rules are so rigid now to weed out those people. So they've really had to put a lot more policies into place since, you know, I'd say like the 80s when I heard from other couples. A lot of these things back then were not the policies they had to abide by and follow. So that being said, a little historic overview of Tahitians coming to the United States. Unlike the Hawaiians, the Samoans, or the Chamorro people, those groups of people from the Pacific, they did not need visas to necessarily resettle in different states. Tahitian people have come in past decades in waves according to two types of visas from what I found. The B visa, which is the student visa, which brings people over as students, but they must go to a school like BYU, UH Manoa, etc. Now, the restrictions are heavy after graduation. I heard that you need to get a job or a career in the actual field you studied in or you need to go home. And according to my friend, you have 90 days to do that after graduation. So it's almost like putting the flame under someone's butt again to hurry and do what you need to do. 
There's other visas such as the P visa, which has to do with entertainment, such as dancing, singing, music. The Q visa has to do with cultural exchange or international exchange program. And this is really for like an artist doing residency. It's, it's very rare to find that someone has filed a Q visa. And last but not least is the I-360, which is the missionary visa, usually filed by LDS or um, people who have come in as missionaries or with the church on a work visa initially acquired by an employer. So there could have been a number of reasons why different Haitian people came. It wasn't just for love, right? Historically, many came for the Hawaiian luau's or showcases that were popular in the United States between the 1960s and the 70s. Those kind of shows that um, wanted to incorporate Tahitian dance or the island of Tahiti, quote unquote, you know, French Polynesia as we know it today, into their shows. They were the ones that filed for these type of visas and would bring performers over here. You know, also, like I mentioned, a lot of Tahitian people are actually LDS, Church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints, aka Mormon. And they've come to Salt Lake City, Utah, to various cities in Florida, and various towns on the island of Oahu in Hawaii, but mainly in Laie, where many Tahitian families still live. So I know this can seem like a lot, and it totally is. Um, it's even stressful to hear myself talk about it. But really, I'm just trying to help provide a little bit of context for anybody who's trying to get started, or just... Maybe you met somebody over there. Maybe you're thinking about bringing them here. You don't know where to start. Well, here's some resources for those who are listening. Number one, I'd say my advice is don't be shy and do not be too proud. We all start somewhere. It can be both scary and embarrassing to ask strangers for help, but it needs to be done. Asking folks who have done this already to make it work, it's going to save you a lot of headaches, potentially heartache or disaster as well. Don't be discouraged. Many people help my wife and I with our advice just by telling us their story. And I can never fully pay them back, but I can pay it forward by helping others and doing the same. So, you know, that's the foundation of this podcast. Number two, reach out to my wife and I directly. Um, we've been helping a few couples since we worked on our visas. And again, we're not giving legal advice or telling folks what to do, but when folks reach out, we talk, we tell them our story, they listen, we listen, then we try to make the best point um, to point you in the right direction, right? Um, we don't know it all, <laughs> and we're far from experts, but, you know, we just want to help others the way others have helped us, right? And again, I know how scary it can be. So I'll leave my email in the description of this episode for anyone who wants to get in touch with me directly. And... That brings me to point three. I advise everyone out here who is any kind of relation to being Tahitian or Tahitian American, whether you're a spouse, caretaker, parent, um, partner, anybody who is in the category of our Tahitian and American families and couples to join the actual Facebook group. So if you type in Facebook, Tahitian American families and couples, the group will pop up. It is a growing little community of just over 250 people. And all the members have mixed situations and backgrounds. Some are Tahitian, some are American, some are children or grandchildren of both. Some of us have been married for 20 plus years. Some of us were just married last year. Some of us even moved back to French Polynesia. But especially if you're an American seeking a good community for help, for tauturu, for support. We post in both English and sometimes French, but... 
you know, everyone there is super nice and willing to help each other. So I, I encourage y'all to, you know, reach out and join the group. It is a private group because of the nature of the stories that we tell and the information we share. This is not a public group that we put out there for everybody and anyone to read. And it's also not a group that promotes like asking Tahitian people like, oh, do you want to come to the U.S.? Because we'll help you get here. No, it's not that kind of thing. It's also not for um, like dance community or anything like that. It's really just for our families, um, people who are Maohi, people who are from Tahiti, people who are from French Polynesia or folks that married into those families and have children with those families. This is our little community we established. So, you know, please answer the questions when you get to the page and it'll go through all the prompts. And um, yeah, oti hoya, voila. I hope this helps out those in need. Um, we will have more interviews as episodes between myself and other people and the families. It's all on the way. But maybe down the line, we can talk about babies. You know, where's the best place to give birth? United States, French Polynesia. I'd really like for my wife to weigh in since she gave birth to one of our sons back home in Tahiti and the other one over here in our country, which is the United States. But until next time, Maruru, have a wonderful day. Hey, 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 hey.